welcome once again to a novel evening. I am Danny. You can find me over on Instagram as Blotted Ink Books and on TikTok as at a novel evening podcast. Um, I hope everyone's had a good week. I always feel like I should be saying more at the beginning of these than I do because I just repeat my name and everything you hopefully already know. Um, but for this episode, I'm incredibly lucky because I'm being joined by the incredible L.R. Lamb, whose novel Dragonfall comes out in May. Okay, if you love high fantasy, okay, if the word dragons is like immediately your jam, Dragonfall is the book for you. They have written such a cool twist on your classic high fantasy. We have got some shifter dragons, baby. We have got uh, so much inclusivity. It's unreal. This book is everything. I absolutely devoured it. I'm incredibly lucky to have a gorgeous proof copy as well. And oh my word, if the proof is anything to go by, those finished copies are going to be beautiful cannot deal. I have so many questions about this book. I have so much that I want to ask Elle and I'm super, super excited that they're going to be joining me on the podcast. So a massive hello to you, Elle. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me, Danny. Oh, thank you so much for uh, coming to join me. And uh, as you've just revealed, you're chatting to me all the way in France. Um, very yeah. jealous. <laughs> <laughs> So much nicer, I'm sure, than uh, what we're experiencing here. So, and you just mentioned you were at a science fiction festival. I was in Lyon. It's called Le Intergalactique, which was very nice. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Were you on like a panel there or were you kind of just... Yeah, I was on a couple of panels um, where they had a translator because my high school French is not up to the task. Um, And yeah, kind of did some signings, met some people, said hello, ate a lot of good food. Oh my goodness, that's so fun. Have you kind of traveled and done things like that before with kind of writing novels? Yeah, actually, I've been quite lucky. So I did another French festival last October in Nantes called Les Utopiales. And a few years ago, I got to go to Malaysia for a festival called Cooler Lumpur. Um, and I think I've been to a couple of others. But yeah, that's one of the nice uh, benefits of writing is every now and again, you get some sneaky travel in as well. Oh, how incredible. Is there anywhere that you'd really like to go? Is there any kind of festivals that you think, oh, I'd love to be at that one? Um, I'd really love to go to Croatia because um, I've just always wanted to go, but I don't know if they actually have any festivals there. I've seen there's a really good Spanish one that a few of my friends have gone to, but I forget the name of, but I don't have any books currently published in Spanish, so that seems unlikely. Um, but you never I'm know. Yeah, you never know. I'd probably go pretty much anywhere someone invited me just because I'm very excited to travel and I love meeting readers from different countries as well. And I find, you know, I love fantasy. I love sci-fi. And I find that at festivals, particularly for sci-fi and for fantasy, like people are so into it. Yeah, and everyone's really nice and really lovely, even if they're like, oh, I haven't heard of you before. Let me pick this up and see. And then they wander away and it's really lovely. It's really, it feels like a community, actually. I feel like whenever does, someone yeah. to you, oh, I read fantasy too, immediately, like, what do you, what are you into? Tell me more. Like, I love that. Yeah, it's lovely. And obviously, we're going to chat about your book, 
Yeah. Uh, I have my I was very lucky to get one of the gorgeous proofs. Um, yeah, they were quite exclusive. <laughs> oh, yes. And it's stunning. So if it if the proof looks like this, it's usually a good sign that the finished copy is going to be. I've seen the finished copy and it's very lovely. It still has the foil, but it has spot UV on the dragon and the feathers. So it's a bit shiny when you move it. Oh. So yeah, it's really lovely. And it has a map inside. I'm very excited about the map. Yeah, I I love a map, and as you've said this, I'm like, I'm gonna buy that finished copy as well, aren't I? <laughs> you should, you should. <laughs> I the shall. map was created. The map was created by Devin Rue, who does all the maps for Critical Role. <gasps> no way. Yeah. Oh my Super goodness, excited. that's so cool. Did you know that was going to be happening? They sent me like a short list of potential cartographers because I like, I said, Hey, can I have a map? Like not actually expecting them to say yes, because I know it's like an extra expense, but they were like, yeah, sure. You may have a map. Here are some cartographers of your choosing. And so I got to choose the map artist. And you've built such an incredible world in Dragonfall. I mean, like I can picture, well, I can picture what I imagine it to look like. So now I'm like, what will the map be like? I mean, what was it like when you saw the map of this world you'd made? I got very excited because I'd done a draft through like Incarnate, which is this kind of app where you can kind of, you know, program where you can design a map. So I made a very basic one and then she like brought it to life and fixed all my rivers because they didn't <laughs> follow the laws of like physics in any way, shape or form. Um, and like she said, you should probably have hills here. And I was like, go for it, man. I have no idea how geography and like cartography works have at it so I'd have handed this map in they'd like it, it physically can't look like this so yeah yeah I was like but magic maybe because magic I don't know I feel like you could answer pretty much anything with the words but magic yeah it's your get out of jail free card for fantasy and I have to ask I don't want to give too much away but is there maps for both worlds or just one of the worlds at the moment, there's just like the part of the Lumet. So it's mostly mostly just Locke, but I have done a draft of a larger map of the human world. Um, and then I kind of know what the dragon world looks like, but it is basically just an island. But yeah. I'd still like to, maybe if for book three or something, I could convince them to do it. Oh, okay. Before we dive into multiple books, because I've just heard the word book three and I'm like, hmm, my ear is... It's a trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh... I'm going to be asking questions. But yeah, I firstly, I want to ask about where this idea came from. Because obviously in fantasy, dragon lore is something we've read in different kind of versions. And Dragonfall mm -hmm. is unlike anything that I've read with dragons. I loved it. And I'm a real sucker for dragons as well. If I see a dragon, I'm in. Um, so yeah. I read like Shifter Dragons. I was like, okay. So where did this idea <laughs> come from? Yeah, so I'd always wanted to write dragons because, yeah, like you, like if it had a dragon on it, I was interested. Like I grew up on um, Dragon Riders of Pern was a big one. Yeah, uh, I started with the one with the little dragons, like the Dragon Harper one, um, where they had all the little lizard lanes. And I read a lot of Robin Hobb, which had dragons. I read Game of Thrones, of course, uh, pretty much all the big dragon books, Aragon. Yeah, because uh, the author was like the same age as me. And I was like, how is he published already as a teenager? Crazy. <laughs> I know. Um, but I kept like, I knew I wanted a unique take on dragons. And so for years and years, I was like, what are my dragons going to be? What are my dragons going to be? And eventually, I guess I decided to make them sexy. <laughs> and that was it. 
So I was like, maybe if I smuggle a paranormal shifter romance into a fantasy, no one will notice. <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> Sex, sexy dragons are the one, I think. That's, yeah. that, that's what it is. I was like, how? That was the pitch. Literally, like, my agent sent it out as, here is sexy dragons book. <laughs> It's like, it oh, I said that as a joke. <laughs> I said that as a joke, kind of, but not. Um, <laughs> and now, like, literally, there's a book page um, interview that just went live yesterday that that says, "Here, there be sexy dragons," and it's now like a pull quote that we're putting on the website. <laughs> oh, it's now a thing. That's that is a thing. That's it now. <laughs> Yeah. Although I will say that book one is not like overly spicy. If you're going in thinking it's going to be like Ice Planet Barbarians with dragons, it's not. So I feel like I have to set up that expectation. The spice level will gradually increase as we go on. Yeah. At the moment, they're mostly physically sexy dragons uh, yeah. in attractiveness. Um, but yeah, there's a, little, there's a little frisson. There's a little bit of spice. Yeah, there's a lot of slow burn. But yeah, they can't physically touch for most of the book, which slightly puts a damper on things. But they get creative. I will, yeah. I will say that. But we do love, we love a little bit of where they, you can't be touching. That's something yeah. that it, it works wonders. And when you started this, did you know, I don't want to give too much away for anyone who reads it. Did you know there was going to be a romance involved? I don't want to say between who or what, but did you know there'd be a romance? Yeah, I think I did. I think I, I pretty much started from... Yeah, kind of my what if question was, what if humans were unsurprisingly awful and did horrible things to dragons, <laughs> but they forgot because humans have short memories. Yep. We're pretty good at like explaining away their atrocities. And so I was just really interested in the question, like, what if your gods hated you? Um, which is sort of what I was playing around with because yeah, dragons uh, stole or humans stole means that I can't speak. <laughs> he stole magic from dragons, banished them to a dying world, but forgot and now worship dragons as gods. Uh, but the dragons remember and they have a grudge. It's such a cool premise. It's so cool. The idea of worshipping these, you know, ancient beasts as your gods when you betrayed them. And like you say, you know, dragon memories last much longer. They live a lot yeah, longer. Yeah, because they live a lot longer. Yeah. yeah. So there's still dragons alive who remember the human world. And it was like, I think, 700 years ago. So, you know, it's been a minute. <laughs> yeah. And that's it's such a cool concept. And the other part that I love about this world that you've built is the representation in it is incredible uh i love the way that you have portrayed both the dragons and the mortals and you know gender is 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 so meaningless in the pages of this book which i love you know except for there being yeah. the last male dragon but again it's mm -hmm. it's really poignant in the story the expectations on this young dragon and then he comes into a world where it, everything's fluid right in the mortal world that you've created which I yeah, know. so it was really important to me because um, I myself am non-binary and something that I find a bit frustrating in a lot of fantasy is that, you know, you have this ability to create anything and yet most fantasy worlds still have very traditional gender roles. You know, the women are wearing dresses and the men are wearing, you know, suits of armor or whatever. And you'll kind of have maybe some worlds where like you can, you know, a woman can be a soldier as well, but I really wanted to just really break apart the gender binary um, as much as I could and see what would happen. Because I was thinking if most humans have magic and like say 10% of the population could shapeshift at will, 
then they wouldn't necessarily see biology or physicality as this like immutable thing. They would see things as very fluid. Um, and also, you know, there's healers who are master healers who can say change hormone levels in your body quite easily. So it makes sense to me that they would be so regressive in that way. Um, and I thought it would be really fun to just, yeah, basically create a society that's based on fluidity and I'll have the poor last male dragon very confused by it all. Yeah, and that's what I loved because I think there's an expectation it would be easier to apply those dynamics to the dragon world. But when the yeah. dragon comes into the mortal world, that was what I really so loved. Confused. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's one of my favorite loved. parts where he's just wandering around being like, this is so weird. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I mean, the last male dragon is such a huge part of his makeup, right? And who this dragon yeah. is. And it's such a beautiful story when he lands in this world and realizes that being the male dragon isn't necessarily all he is, right? That's not his whole being. Yeah, Yeah, I was really interested in kind of like expectations of masculinity and toxic masculinity as well, because the last male dragon is seen as like inherently potentially dangerous because there used to be another male dragon and he went mad um, because he, he read too many of his own prophecies basically and burned down most of the library with himself in the process. Um, and so everyone's very wary of him when he pops up because I got really nerdy. And the reason that most dragons are female is because like lizards in our world, um, sometimes the temperature of eggs can affect what uh, sex they hatch as. And so if this world is gradually getting warmer, then it makes sense that the uh, dragons would hatch fem female and they uh, give birth by parthenogenesis, which is virgin birth, which is what whiptail lizards do. Oh my goodness. Oh my word. Like <laughs> I got so nerdy. Into is so cool. I'm still waiting for someone to say my dragons being all female are unrealistic so that I can be like one dragons, two whip tail lizards. <laughs> you can go with the it's magic. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I could go it's magic, but in this case, I went really nerdy and went down a fascinating research hole into lizard sex, which I recommend just following the Wikipedia articles. It's wild. <laughs> you know that's how I'm gonna spend my evening now we're gonna wrap this up and be like I'm gonna go and have a little look down you that know, there are some there are some lizards who have two penises so if one falls off they've got a backup how is I that did not do that. I, I must say up front I did not do this to my dragons <laughs> I maybe thought about it for a few seconds but I was like no no I'd gone weird enough we're not gonna give these you dragons know the fan art that would have been created of that would have been so insane people can do what they like in fan art <laughs> I don't care <laughs> fan fiction fan art have at it <laughs> oh my goodness I mean the level of dedication that you've gone to for your research um again shows because you've created such a it's such a huge world. It's got such a large like lore and backstory. Was that ever daunting to you to be creating? So did you relish it? Um, world building is probably my favorite thing to do. So um, at some point I was like, is this just procrastination? Because I am afraid to write the actual book. And it might have been a little bit. But yeah, I love world building. I created like a world building document that's like 100 pages long. I worked with an actual linguist. So all of the dragon language that you're seeing on the page is a working language um, created by Seamus McDonald. And so I hire them to, yeah, like, I'll be like, I need this phrase in Selenian, please create it for me. And they send it back. It's great. 
Oh my God, that is so cool. Like everything you're saying is like blowing my mind because obviously, you know, I look at the work of Tolkien, you know, and he had languages that functioned in these worlds that you don't question because they're so real. And that's how I felt with Dragonfall. And when you said that, I'm like- oh, You're comparing me to Tolkien, oh my goodness. Yeah, it's, you don't question this world that's being created or the law that's behind it. And the language, again, like I'm reading the language and I wasn't like, this probably doesn't make any sense. So it's usually like you work with a linguist. So I'm like, that makes so much sense as to why you're like, yeah, of course they're speaking this language. I Your attention to detail is crazy. Yeah, I, well, I try. <laughs> and obviously this is book one. As you said, we've got a whole trilogy to come. I mean, can yeah. you tell us anything about book two? Are we kind of in the works with it? Um, It's going. I'm... <laughs> It's a bit behind because I kind of, I've written 30,000 words, but I realized I was just kind of taking too long to get going. So I figured out what I need to do, um, but I'm having to start over again. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a bit frustrating, but that's partially why I'm here in France is this week I'm trying to really make good headway on it. Because once yeah. I get going, I'm pretty fast, um, but I'm kind of guilty of sort of pecking around at the edges or doing a lot of like writing in my head before I actually get it yeah. down on the page. But I do know, I know very definitively where it's ending and a lot of the subplots and all the character motivations and stuff. But yeah, it's just kind of putting it down um, and getting it to make sense. That's what I was going to ask. You know, when you're building a trilogy and you know you're going to have three books, do you kind of, when you were starting book one, did you know the whole plot for all three books or do you kind of go into the first no. book? You know? Not with book one. Now at this point, I know where book two ends and I know where book three ends more or less. But with book one, I had a really weird experience writing it because usually I'm I'm quite like organ well, I'm organized with chaos, chaos around the edges. Whereas I felt like Dragonfall was just pure chaos goblin mode. <laughs> like I got to 30,000 words three times and it fell apart because I realized I was trying to write um part two of the trilogy, not part one. <laughs> oh I was okay. skipping ahead. So I had to change the whole plot. And once I did, everything clicked into place. But it seems like a lot of my, it's a very exploratory, my writing of this series, where I'll write a scene and immediately be like, nope, not that. But I had to write it wrong to then figure out how to write it right, yeah. which is very strange for me. But I do kind of enjoy it because it feels like it's kind of less in my control in, than some of my other books, I guess. And that's kind of fun as well. I feel like I'm figuring out what's happening as it goes along to a certain extent. Like I know where I'm going to, but I don't know exactly how I'm going to get there. Yeah. I love that idea though, that you're kind of discovering the story as you go as well. Cause I'm a bit like that. <laughs> having everything like mapped out is great, but sometimes having the freedom to kind of see where you're going to go is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Or I'll know like, this is a very important scene, but I don't know exactly where in the book it's going to be yet until I get there. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And you just mentioned as well, obviously Chris Carroll. So I definitely feel some influences from D and D there. Was there any other kind of lore or books that really inspired you? Um, I did. I have like dabbled with D&D uh, &D and Critical Role, but like on the edges. So it's actually only now after writing this book and having so much fun that I'm getting more into D&D &D and Critical Role. So, so my friend, my friend is starting a board game shop in Edinburgh in Leith. Um, it's going to be called Ancient Robot Games, um, giving him a little plug and it's going to start I think it's going to open next in month in May um, and I'm really excited. So he's going to run, you know, like campaigns and stuff. So I'm going to go around and have fun with it. 
Um, but beyond that, I think a lot of my inspiration was just a lot of the classic fantasy I read growing up. So Robin Hobb is probably my ultimate influence. Um, I dedicated the book to her because I'm a giant nerd. <laughs> um, and I love her books and I reread them all the time. Uh, Dragon Riders of Pern, which I mentioned, uh, Serafina by Rachel Hartman, absolutely loved, and that has dragons turning into humans. Um, I was really inspired by Fifth Season because it's very experimental in terms of its narrative positions, and so that gave me the courage to get a bit more experimental with my narrative positions for Dragonfall, um, which has proven a little polarizing, but I think it's cool. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to just take the jump, right? You've got to just, you've got to just try it. And I think it definitely pays off. I honestly, I have so many friends who I know love fancy. I'm like, you need to read this. So with your novel evening, I'm kind of expecting some fantasy in here. Yeah. Yeah. I think like can tell like, I'm like, we're going to have some fantasy. <laughs> thrown into here uh so I'm super excited because those are usually my favorite evenings and I know I shouldn't be biased but when fantasy comes into it I'm happy so I guess yeah. the first thing I should ask you is where are we gonna go mm. oh so like another existing world yeah well you can pick anything so wherever you want this evening to go if it's been in a, basically if it's been in a book you're allowed it so I there's okay. lots of loopholes but if it's featured in a book you can go there Okay. I think I would like to go to Hannah Kaner's God Killers world. Like the tavern that's on the bridge. Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll go there. It's such a good book. I absolutely, I was really lucky to chat with Hannah on the pod as well. And oh my goodness, that book is just, it's so fun. And again, it's, it's more so that it feels real. Yeah. Okay. And it's, I love a tavern. Yeah. You can never go wrong. I like that they all got very excited and they were like, stop jumping. <laughs> like, it's <Yeah>. a bridge. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally. It's so like ramshackle. I love it. Okay. So we're going to go to the tavern. So I'm imagining this to be a relatively cozy evening in that case. I can't yeah. see having tons of people. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to be settled in. I imagine there's a roaring fire and there's, you know, tankards of various ale, mead. Yeah, something, something vaguely alcoholic, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On those lines. So, who's the first person you would welcome to your evening? I think we're going to go Fitz Chivalry Farseer. Oh! I just want to ask him why he's so bad at communicating with those he loves. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a therapy session. You're like, Fitz, just a little bit. Yeah. Oh, the fool can come too. The fool can come too. The fool can come as well. I mean, yeah. so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I haven't read all of the books. So for my sins, I've read the first couple, and the TBR just looms in the background. But I absolutely you just love get better them. and better. You got to read them in publication order. Yeah, that's what I've been told. So my friend is a humongous Robin Hood fan who chastises me fairly regularly about not having read more so it will be done and so many people come on here and absolutely rave but what is it about Robin Hobbs writing that draws you what do you love about it the character work so she does so much about character and I love too that like she is quite like a slow-paced writer like she takes her time and really just lets you envelop yourself in the world and some people I think you know 
I've heard that like my stuff is described as slow paced as well. And I think it's just that influence because I like taking the time to really kind of set the table and get you to really know what's going on and setting it or I'm mixing my metaphors, but setting up the dominoes, they can fall in the second half. So yeah, I love a world that feels really lived in and you get to know all these like technically superfluous details, but it's what makes it feel real and lived in. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. Okay. Fitz and the Fool have come in. They're going to get their tankard. They're going to join us. You're going to dive into why he is the way he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's going to arrive next to join in with the therapy circle? I think we're going to have Gerald. Oh. <laughs> He's just going to like sit in the corner <laughs> with uh, I... Strider. Strider can come too. They're just going to be grumpy in the corner. Looking that is hot. Beautiful image. Honestly. <laughs> I have no notes on that. I mean, what a pairing. <laughs> so they would say absolutely nothing to each other. Nothing. No, they just drink in silence. Yes. <laughs> Looking brutally around the room. They'd also look great yeah. in candlelight. Yeah, they'd just be eye candy, yeah. You need that. You need that for anything. Yeah. And also, if they wanted to open up and tell some stories, they'd have some great ones. Yeah. You never know. I feel like they can be... I feel like Geralt can be a little bit prodded into telling a story. Maybe, maybe. maybe. And if not, they're just going to look devastating. So that's that's a fantastic <laughs> pairing <laughs> to come in together. Okay. There we go. We've got four guests now. You've got four guests. It's very male heavy. Yeah, yeah. So next we're going to have Terrain from C.L. Clark's Unbroken. Ooh, I have Terrain not read that arms. book. And I it's so high on my oh, list. That's good. Tell me more about this character. Um, she's very angry and she has amazing arms. And there's another forbidden romance in that one as well. And it's a lot about like, yeah, empire and colonialism. And it's good stuff. Good stuff. Oh, it sounds like she's going to hold her own in this room as well. Yeah, I think she might like be the commanding presence. Yeah. Hmm. This is quite a, you've gathered quite a table of quite foreboding characters. Yeah, I think all of them have killed people, I'm sure. <laughs> that would just be me and you, like, hi. <laughs> I don't even know if I can even lift a sword. So, But we'd be really safe. If anything was to happen, we're well Yeah, prepared. yeah, we'd be fine. We'd be fine. Yeah. So is that all of your guests who are going to arrive to this tavern? I'm going to ask you to invite a guest. <gasps> you can invite the last guest. Oh, oh no, this is... Do you know what? Let's say invite a woman, a woman or a non-binary person. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Mia Corvair from God's Grave, from Never Night, the uh, the trilogy. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Another another murder child. Yes. Yes, there is a theme. I think she would just be able to hold her own in that group. Also, she's fantastically hot. Um, would Mm -hmm. fit in beautifully in this group. Is fearless. And I think if anyone's going to be able to get, you know, Strider and Geralt out of their shell, she could do it. She could. She'd taunt them. She would. She <laughs> would bait them into saying something. A hundred percent. And I lo- this is a proper, you know, I can picture everyone like kicking off their boots, all of their like weaponry uh-huh. is like propped against the tables. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a proper classic, you know, it's a classic fantasy evening. Yeah, for sure. 
But the other question I always have to ask, is there anybody you really don't want to show up? That's a good question. And of course now, like, I have forgotten every character I've ever read in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that, I'm like, what are books? What are characters? Who am I? Who are they? <laughs> I was going to come to you. I'll I'll cheat and do Tolkien, so I wouldn't want Saruman to show up. Oh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I feel like he could ruin the party. He really would. He really would. And the thing is, I love, like, in the movie adaptations, I love Chris Flees, especially early on, because he's so, like, kindly old man to start with. You know, he's a bit kind of imperious, but you think he seems kindly, and then it's like the switch. Mm-hmm. It's done so well. Yeah. I can see he would just be bad news. And also we well, don't another person. Oh, another person I wouldn't want to show up would be Shafa from fifth season, book one. But book two could come. Okay, that's interesting. That's an interesting choice. What why book one is a no? He's very different in book one compared to book two. Okay. Like I can't say anything more without spoilers. Ooh, that's spoiling. Okay. Okay. I do think as well, for me, none of the gods from the pages, just, you know, the, you know, the mean little petty gods like the river god and stuff. I don't want anyone just cropping up. Yeah. No. But Skeddy can come. Yeah, yes. Skeddy can absolutely come. Although I would really like the opportunity to see Geralt and Strider fight. That's true. <laughs> that would be a nice request. I would like to see our guests in battle. That yeah. would, even just like 10 minutes making a whole mess of this tavern making a whole mess of this tavern <laughs> we would just sit there and watch because we would be able to provide no assistance whatsoever no i have zero practical skills no i might you know when you're seeing a film and someone just like hits with a plate or something and that's all they can yeah yeah. Be, yeah we'd be under the table hiding <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I think the fool would probably be able to goad them into a fight. He's very good at teasing people. That's true. That's true. And I do think, the thing is with Geralt, he's quite sensitive in some ways. He's quite easy to goad. Yeah. You know how to push his buttons, I'm sure. Yeah, he's a little petty. I think Strider is the hard one because he's so just, he's so calm. It's going to be quite hard to get him out. I think Mia could do it though. I feel like she'd blow some of her like cigarillo smoke in his face or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she'd taunt him. I think it's good gag, though. This is my kind of novel evening. There's the potential for some violence. Which yeah. I or they'll all become really good buds and do a lot of drunken singing. It oh, could go God. either way, really. It's, it's one of the two, isn't it? It's either going to be, there's going to be some showboating going on. There's going to be some like showing off sword skills and who can pick up tables and who could, you know... Or they're going to be drunk. Oh yeah, definitely. Or maybe both. Maybe, but it could it could swing between the two. I've been on plenty of nights out where you're, you're walking on the cusp. Yeah, <laughs> it's on a knife's edge. Which way it's going to go? I mean, this is this is top tier novel evening. So I think this is an A plus for me. Oh, thank you. I'm this glad. Is a, this is a very I'm a, an anxious perfectionist who likes to get nothing but straight A's. So thank you <laughs> for that validation. You, you have nailed this. You've nailed the brief. Uh, you know, yes. as, as a big fantasy fan, this is all I really want. 
Um, it's, you know, it's beautiful. It's an ode to fantasy, I think. And uh, I very much approve. And before I let you go and enjoy the rest of your evening in France, uh, I have to ask if you're reading anything on your trip. I am, but it's not fantasy. I'm reading Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin, I think. Yes. I'm about halfway through and I'm really enjoying it because I don't know. I haven't actually gotten, I very deliberately stayed away from video games because I have an addictive personality, huh. I think, and I would get way too into it and then I wouldn't write my books. Um, so, but I found it really interesting reading kind of about like these two people, three people making games and kind of having successes and failures and all of that. Um, and it reminds me a bit of the TV show Halt and Catch Fire, uh, which is on AMC. And if you haven't watched it, it's got Lee Pace um, as canonically bisexual. And it's just amazing. (laughs) It's so well acted. It's so under the radar and I think it should be huge. So if you want to learn about like kind of early computer games and like, or just early computers in like the 80s, um, it sounds weird, but I promise it's absolutely riveting. So I read good. that book quite recently, actually. And for me, it was super nostalgic. I love video games. Um, I also have an addictive personality and can testify <laughs> that you are correct. Yeah, that you lose a lot of time to it, right? I used to I used to be a backseat gamer. So my husband would play Oblivion and I would like tell him what to do. And I'd be like, change the character's outfit and like kill this person with that specific bow. And please use this cheat code so that we can ride around on the Pegasus now. <laughs> He's just playing that. Like, why don't you just play this? Why don't you just cut? Come on and do it. I like I think, your playing. Yeah. <laughs> I do not have the hand-eye coordination, so I just made him fight the guys for me, and it was great. <laughs> I love that. You just get to watch the story like you're watching a film. But yeah, because I'm really it. interested in the story. Like The Last of Us, I didn't play it. I just watched the playthrough on YouTube. <laughs> oh yeah. I, to be fair, I love especially games. So I don't like to play games that are too challenging. I like to play them on like story mode. Because I'm really just yeah, there yeah. for plots. I don't want to be challenged. Yeah, I love the story and the immersion of it. And like, yeah, just wandering around the world. Um, I'm not that, in, I get kind of bored during the battle bits. So I'd kind of like zone out while um, Craig would fight baddies for me. Yeah, I love just anything that's like free roam where you can just, I, that's why I loved like Skyrim. that You could just explore. Oh yeah, world. I love Skyrim as well. I also watched Craig play that and ordered him about, yeah. <laughs> so you could just do and like games like fable i don't know if you've ever played that but you can choose if you're i didn't do that one then oh i love it oh, yeah, i played a bit of dragon age as well and oh <gasps> played watched a bit of dragon age controlled <laughs> from behind yeah yeah watched from the sofa yes <laughs> i love it so i play a lot and my husband always ends up watching me and was like are you bored and he's like it's kind of just like watching a film but you don't know what's going to happen you're completely clueless like yeah, yeah. Yeah. you could die 40 times <laughs> yeah yeah it's good fun so yeah I I do actually have more time now because I have um mostly quit my day job I'm now only working five hours a week instead of like 35 so that is a bonus but I, I also have to write this book so you know I don't have any extra time yet but maybe eventually I will I am not going to encourage you to do anything that's going to stall or delay these next books because I need them I need yeah to know- you don't want me to you don't want me to get into video games just now because yeah yeah I got I got some words to write but yeah. it's there I can picture it I, all I'll say about book two is magic university <gasps> oh that's a good clue 
That's a fun one. I mean, look, I loved, I loved book one. I am waiting fairly impatiently. I know you're working hard. But <laughs> I am, <laughs> yes, like, but you got a bit, a bit to go. Yeah, this is the thing with proofs. You get them early. You're like, yeah, I get to get it early. And then you're like, damn, I have to wait longer for the next one. Well, you'll probably get book two early again, so it's fine. <laughs> and look, I will have to do a reread anyway, because my memory is so shocking. When I get a second book, I'm always like, what is this place? I'm the same, yeah. Um, I am, if I'm organized enough, I'm going to try and put a like previously on Dragonfall on my website that has a little summary for everything. Because I'm like, I wish everyone did this. Why can't it be at the start of the book previously on Dragonfall? Oh my gosh, literally, I need <laughs> I that. I ask. Maybe, maybe I could convince him to put it in. Yes, yeah, stick in a bit. So I'm just reading uh, Bone Shard War, which I absolutely loved. I love the first two books. Oh yeah. I just picked this up and I was like, who are these people? Where are we? Why are we on a boat? What is happening? And I was like, it took me so long to like- Can, we, can we bring can we bring Mephi to our novel evening oh, as well? Belatedly? Yes. Oh. We can hang out with Skeddy. Yeah. Oh, can you... oh, it's so pure. And then Jaculus, um, Soren's pet Jaculus can come too from my book. <laughs> Oh my goodness, all the little critters just like hanging around doing yeah. everything. You just topped it off, see. You were already at an ace. I can go no higher because I can't issue anything higher, but you just that was like the cherry. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I love fantasy creatures. That's why I was like, I have to have a fantasy pet. Have to do it. You've got to do it. You gotta do it. And I love the little I want a wyvern so bad. Me too, man. <laughs> Some point. I want him to just like lie right here like across my collarbone with the little wings on either side like nettling my cheek oh it'd be the best like I have a dog but it's just not the same <laughs> I don't fly yeah who doesn't want a little tiny dragon everyone wants so if you love tiny dragons and big dragons <laughs> if you love all of the yeah dragons, many sized dragons or dragons that turn into hot humans with wings yeah, sexy <laughs> dragons you need to get yeah. dragon four it is out next month it'll be out in may may 2nd that's the release date yeah. right yeah and so yeah if this goes live before may 2nd um i have a pre-order incentive where if you order in the uk from argonaut books you can get a print of the map you can get the character art uh, print and you can get a temporary tattoo and in the us if you order from mysterious galaxies you get a map print with the character art. <sighs> well i think you've you've sold it for me art on the back <laughs> Um, and I think if you are the first 20 orders, which might be snap country in any format, you can email proof of purchase to lauralamauthor at gmail.com. And I'll send you a digital booklet I've made that has more about, uh, world building and magic system. And I'm going to annotate the first two chapters of Dragonfall. And now I'm like, what website was that again? <laughs> For the physical for the physical goodies in the UK, it's Argonaut Books. Argonaut Books. Well, look, yeah. I feel like it's, we're gonna see this all over Instagram. It's awesome. It's gonna do so well. And congratulations! Oh God, I have no idea. I'm so anxious at this point because it's all out of my control now, and 
I have no idea how it's going to do, but I hope it just like finds enough people that I can keep writing books. That, like, that's my goal. <laughs> I will have everything. I have every single faith. You've made a beautiful story here that I think many, many people are going to love. Um, I certainly did. And it's been so much fun to get to chat to you. Thank you so much for joining. Oh, thank you very much.